Sony Influence Church, how you doing? You having a good Sunday so far? What an amazing time of worship. Can we just honor the worship team? Thank you guys so much. Pastor Stephen, Pastor Scott, Will. Uh, it's good to have our children's ministry team in here. Pastor Kara, thank you so much. And uh, her husband, Scott, can we give it up for them? And our generational ministry team is amazing, you know. Uh, actually, Pastor Drew, uh, Pastor Natalie, and Whitney are in our children's ministry wing, just pouring into our young people. And, you know, they actually lead worship even into our, uh, our preschool ages. And uh, just what God's doing in there and molding these young lives is amazing. So if you've got young kids, if you've got grandkids, and they don't have a church that they're plugged into, I encourage you, get them to Influence Church. And uh, just because Jesus said to the disciples when they were trying to keep the children away, he said, no, no, bring them unto me. Bring them unto me. So how many of you know that as a church, that's, we should have that same attitude. We should bring them into the presence of God. Let them experience worship. Let them experience the word of God. Let them get the seed of the word of God sown into their lives so that they can even at a young age start bringing forth fruit. Amen? But we're just excited. What an amazing Sunday it's been so far. And, you know, uh, just honored to fill uh, just this platform that Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy have done such a great job to nurture and to with great care to make sure that the word of God is proclaimed in truth and in spirit. Amen? Are you grateful for that? Are you grateful for a senior pastor team as Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy that that's their heart? And so, amen. Let's give it up for them. They're amazing. And it's an honor for Eric and I to serve under them and to serve this amazing team that make everything, as you guys come into here, from Wes. Wes, it's great to have you this morning. And yeah, I just uh, we're going to pray for Wes. Uh, can we just do that real quick? You know, because uh, I... I I text him, I said, hey, how's everything going? He's like, it's going, but I'm still believing. So can we just pray for him real quick? Just a moment. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the mighty name of your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for, uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we can come into that place, the Holy of Holies, where you've invited us. And not just with timidity, you actually said we can come in boldly. And so, Heavenly Father, we come as the bride of Christ, as your church, and we lift up our fellow brother, Wes. Lord, and you know the need, you know all of it. God, we cast it into your cares. We thank you for faith remaining in the midst of the trial and tribulation. And even as Jesus looked at Peter and said, I would pray that, the, that your faith would remain, God, and that it would be a testimony to the brothers. So we speak that over Wes in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for the opportunity for opening doors that only you can open and closing doors that only you can close. God, we thank you for this opportunity for him. God, we just lift up the rest of these services. We lift up just Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy. Thank you so much for amazing leaders that are obedient to you and nurturing the word of God in their own lives and the example that they are of that in uh, leadership and in, in marriage and in husband or in, in uh, their family roles. But here at Influence Church, thank you so much for amazing leadership team, God. And we just pray over every person in the sound of my voice, Lord God, that you would speak through me, God, that I would be transparent, that your word would be alive and active, Sharper than any double-edged sword to the dividing of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and even to the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. In Jesus Christ's name, we thank you and we ask you these things. Everybody says, amen. amen. So uh, it's good to see everybody this morning. You're looking great and alive. Uh, we've, got, we've got several minutes, so is everybody good? You comfortable? Um, if I was to title my message for today, I would, I would call it Position. And... The, we're in the midst of the, the series, The Father's Heart, right? And we've kind of extended our prophetic conference into this Father's Heart series. And Pastor Phil said to me 
uh, this was actually weeks ago, he, uh, he invited me to preach today and as they could go away and get some relax and some refreshing, uh, refreshing time. And, um, but it also, like the week after that, he said, hey, you know, I, you need to do a little getaway with your, with your family. Take your wife, take your kids. And I so appreciate Pastor Phil for being sensitive to our team, being sensitive to each and every one of you that he can, he, he can see past, you know, what's going on on the outside and he can see into the inside because we needed it. I mean, I'll be honest with you, we haven't really had a family just kind of getaway where it's been Eric and I and the kids, I mean, before River was born. And um, we would have vacations and, you know, go to the East Coast and visit my family, but that's never a vacation. If you live away from family and you go see them, you know that, right? I mean, it's like reunion, wedding, reunion, reunion, you know, this party, that party, and you're like ready for a vacation at the end. And so uh, I, I'm so glad that Pastor Phil saw that need in our family, and um, so the beginning of the week, and we were picking a date, and uh, he said to me, he said, uh, and like I said, this was before we had even planned on doing the prophetic series. He said, uh, you know, would you really want to, would you want to go away with your family and you're going to preach on the 30th? And I was like, you know what, actually, I think that's going to be a good idea. It's going to help me step away from just some of the roles and responsibility that we have to do here. It can so easily cloud my mind. And uh, I was, you know, I'm thinking, yes, I'll go, we'll get away, I'll get some extra quiet time, and I'll be able to write a sermon. But I'll tell you, kids don't allow that. Right? I actually sat down with my Bible one morning and River is there. He's on my lap and he's turning the pages with me. And I'm like, River, this is careful, delicate. I'm like, oh, River. (laughs) He wanted to be around me and be around what we were doing. And the amazing thing was, like I said, I didn't know that uh, at the time that we had scheduled all this, that we were going to be in the series Heart of a Father. And as we were away on that little getaway with our family, uh, it was such a beautiful time of really being with my kids and being a father. And um, I remember the first day, we just went to the beach down in, in San Clemente, and um, we were out there in the sand, and, uh, you know, we're building stuff, and, and I'm working with the kids, and, you know, River wants to do everything. I mean, every tool that I'm, I'm using, he wants to use, and, and I'm filling up the buckets of sand, and, and he's filling them up, and, and we would go pat, 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 and I mean, he would be there patting as hard as he could on the buckets of sand, and we'd flip them over and try to build a castle, and as soon as we would get one thing started, you know, we would start building it, and, and Abby's there with us, and River would have his shovel right in it, and he's just, he's just destroying it. You know, and, and he finally got a little bit more of the, the hint of what we were doing, and he, uh, he wanted to do, you know, fill the buckets and turn them over and, and stack them on top of each other. And he, uh, I found myself not just wanting to teach them, right? I found myself not just wanting to show them what to do, but I found myself wanting to see them excel. I wanted, the, I wanted the, the castle to be bigger or the, you know, the pile to be higher or, you know, a bigger, scoop, a bigger scoop of sand this time, right? You know, okay, last time that was a good scoop, River, but this time a little bit bigger. And I thought to myself, you know, how amazing is that, that uh, it really, it brought me back into my own childhood. And I, I'm so grateful for parents that have poured into, poured into myself and my siblings. And I know they've desired that same thing for us. You know, watch me do it, but I want to see you do it better. Watch me. I want, to, I want to see you be where my ceiling is. I want that to be your floor. And I remember George in the first service, he was, he was out greeting at the front door. And you can't get by George without getting a greeting, right? Amen? Amen? And he said to one person that was there, he said, you know what? The generation that's next stands on our shoulders, whether it's slippy or it's firm. And I'm like, that's exactly it. 
That's exactly even what's happening in our church. That's, exa- that's what's so amazing about our team is we want to see you. We want to see this church go further, be, be greater, do what God's called you to do. Do it with efficiency. Do it with stewardship. Do it with passion. Do it with, most importantly, being full of the Holy Spirit. Do what God has called you to do. Do it in excellence and do it with joy. Be a beacon to this world that's just looking for somebody to be an opportunity of hope. And, you know, as I looked at my kids playing around me and desiring that same thing, you know, so many times as parents, we think it's just this, you know, it's just us. You know, but if we would look past that, it's on the outside. If we would really dig deep to that, no, it's a craving that God has put in us because it's his craving, right? It's what he would desire for his children. He would desire them. He even said, because I so love, because I so love you that I give my only begotten son, He stepped down into his own creation so that we could take a position with him. So that through Jesus Christ, we could have access to a relationship with God. How amazing and beautiful is that? Amen? So if I could title my sermon, yes, let's give God glory for what he has done. It's what he's invited us to be part of. And so if if I could title the message for today, it would be position. And I want you to remember that. But the Father is wanting to position us in heavenly places. The heavenly places give us, or gives each and every one of you, a heavenly perspective. In this place that God invites us into with him, he is constantly emanating forth, right? I want you to see this picture. God is emanating forth. Of course, we we know the the representations that we have of light and of all of these, you know, sound. But he's emanating forth, and he's emanating forth not for no reason. He's emanating forth so that there would, be, there, would be indivi- there would be you and I around to be imparted to. He emanates forth to fill us with his spirit, to go forth and make a difference, to be a voice in this world, to be, uh, you know, Pastor Phil asked me, we met in June, and we were just having really a mentoring session. And he gave me some things and challenged me in some things. And one of the questions I remember that he asked me is he said, Nate, what kind of church do you see? And it really set me back. And I didn't even know what to answer. Because first, I didn't want to answer the wrong thing. I mean, this is our senior pastor. But secondly, I'm like, this is a holy matter. Like, I don't even, like, how do I even touch this? And so we had the prophetic conference. And how many of you were at the prophetic conference? What a beautiful time, right? Such a great time. And, you know, I remember, I remember meeting with Pastor Phil after the prophetic conference. And we were saying about um, just... That Monday was, was amazing. You know, Sunday night was great. It was kind of like Sunday morning overflowed into Sunday night. It was great. But Monday, there was a touch there because there was those that had to make sacrifice to be there, right? It's almost like you guys at the 11 o'clock service this morning. I mean, you're making sacrifice. You put the roast on slow cook or you put the, we're going to take the late reservation at lunch. You make sacrifice to get here. You put, you make time to be in God's presence. And that was what happened on that Monday. And there was a prophetic word that was given as we were at a staff retreat and it was, and it was spoken over uh, just the leadership team. And, and the prophetic word was that it was a picture that an individual saw and it was like an aircraft carrier. And on this aircraft carrier were landing individuals that were called to ministry. And they would come in, and they would land, and they would be refueled, rested up, replenished, and they would take back off again. And the amazing thing that happened as we were at that prophetic conference, that was the first one that we've ever, we've ever done. And there was individuals that were strategically uh, to be here, and they, exactly that thing was happening. 
the, some of the testimonies where I felt so refreshed. You know, it was just good to be able to get poured into. These are ministers that this is their, this is their calling. But, you know, just as even Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy have this beautiful opportunity to be away and be refreshed and be relaxed, that's part of us. That's part of our makeup. We need that. We can't ignore it. And so these individuals had that. And there was actually a, a pastor that was here, and he spoke at the conference, and then he wanted to stay afterward, but he had some things on his schedule that he wasn't able to stay. And the one session was over, and at that time he had to make arrangements to get to his meeting, but he got a text message. And it said, your meeting's been canceled. And he turned to his wife and he said, I want to stay. I want to stay. And so he was able to stay the rest of his night, but of course his wife had to go home and be with their kids as they were finishing up school. And um, he said, hey, do you mind giving me a ride home? And so I gave him a ride home, and of course, it was late. We were here till late. I think our team was here till probably 12 in the morning. Scott's like, yeah. <laughs> but we were here late until I, so until I got him home and, and uh, I got dinner and got ready for bed. I looked at the clock and it was 1.12 a.m. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm just going to sleep in. You know, with kids, that doesn't happen often. You know, they're, they're normally up and, you know, they're, so I try to get up before my kids to kind of get ahead of them to make sure that the house isn't, you know, a wreck on top of a wreck. And just, so I'm like, I'm not going to get up early. I'm just going to, I'm going to sleep until God wakes me up. That's what I'm going to do. And I know God, you're going to just let me sleep in, you know, I just, because we've been conferencing and, you know, it's just, and so I did, you know, that was my attitude. But I, I, so I went to bed and the next thing I know, 5.30 rolls around and I am like up, but I'm up with a different, I'm up with not like this, oh, I can't believe I'm awake. I'm up with this, like, this, this desire, this thing that's been, that was burning inside of me. And I didn't know what it was. And I had this headache that was just, that was pounding in my, and so I'm like, this is one thing that I like to do. I like to, in my personal time, uh, I like to get on a piano or on a keyboard. And sometimes I'll just play some chords and, and I'll just start worshiping. And I'll just, because I'm a doer. And so my mind can go with the list of all the things that has to be done and, you know, all of that. And so sometimes I thank God that he's given me this gift that I can, you know, this opportunity that I have with him that I'll just get on the piano and it'll help me just clear the air, clear the atmosphere so that I can get into a place where I can really try to hear him. And so I'm like, okay, I can't think because it's post-conference and there's just all this going through my mind, so I'm just going to worship. And over the last... Several months since Pastor Phil had asked me that question, what do you see, what do you see the church like? I mean, I really toiled with it. I mean, I'm praying about this. I'm fasting about it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, God, like, like I really, I, I want to know, like, what do you see? And so I'm in this time with God in the morning, and all of a sudden into my mind comes the, the, the scriptures that Pastor Tammy had talked about at the conference with the, the, the picture that, uh, of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And I've sat with that before, and I've, I've gone over those things, and I've just, you know, in that, worshiping God for his, his holiness, worshiping God for his purity, worshiping God for his strength, you know, worshiping Jesus Christ for all that he is in our lives. And, I, and I, that's what I think I'm going to do. But all of a sudden, I start in Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. And I'm going to read you these scriptures out of the New King James, and because I want you just to experience this, this glimpse of this session that I had just with God and I. And um, I want you to get a picture of really what I, I, f I feel is speaking to us this morning. And uh, the book of Revelation is, is said to be the traveling manual for the church 
of the Gentile Christian times, which we live in. Ever since in the book of Acts with Cornelius and his family and friends that gathered, God has opened a doorway to the Gentiles to be part of the church, to be the church that we're living in today. So that's, that's the time of period that we live in today. And so I just tell you that to help you get this. So here we go. Verses 9, and like I said, this was not my intent, but I sit down, and I'm just worshiping, and, I, and, I, and then it, it's this. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and impatience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of the Lord, or for the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Just a quick reference. There, this is the only time the Lord's day is referenced in Scripture. Only time that word, Lord's day. And here's the thing. He was in the Spirit on the Sabbath day. On the, and, it's, and it's in that picture of the day that Jesus Christ was resurrected. So that's in the obedience that he's, he's in this place, in, this, in the Spirit. And it says, And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. The amazing thing in John's day and age, the trumpet was known for really two key things. It was known to summon the festivals, so it was known to summon worship, and it was also known to give command to armies as they were marching into war or as they were setting cadence. And so this picture of worship and this command to move forward, this command of, if you would, in a sense, war, this uh, being a difference, being a light in a dark world, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Our weapons are not these things of this, of this world, but our, our weapons are that of intercession and worship and prayer and those things. And so I want you to hear that. So he hears this voice that's that of a trumpet. The only thing he can think to compare it to is a trumpet because of those two things, worship and command. And he says this, the voice said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write down in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And it gives the names of those seven churches. I'm not going to uh, butcher those names in front of you, but I want you to see this. Seven is a, is a spiritual number. And there are several other churches in the period of time that this is actually being written. So it's symbolic of the seven types of churches. And it really echoes down through the ages of time to us today, these seven churches. So I want you to hear this is echoing in our ears today of this picture of the church. And so he said, then I turned, John said, then I turned to see the voice that spoke, this voice of just, blasting voice and it said the voice that spoke to me and having turned or having turned I saw seven golden lampstands okay take note to that I saw seven golden lampstands and in the midst of the seven lampstands was one like the son of man now here's what I want you to see so as John is there and he's sees or he hears this voice and so he turns to see it and he said having been turned having turned now I saw I saw seven golden lampstands. The amazing thing about this picture is the Holy of Holies, and we were just singing about that in that beautiful song after communion, the Holy of Holies was lit by one candle stand that had seven arms that held out candlesticks. That was the Old Testament. But what John's seeing is the New Testament church, which is made up of seven lamp stands, okay? And in these seven lamp stands, you see the church, so he turns to see this voice, and he sees the church. 
And as he looks further into what's going on, he sees that in the midst of it is the one like the Son of Man. Now, I want you to know when John sees this, he's not seeing an unfamiliar person. John watched Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. John watched Jesus being rejected, despised, abused, nailed to a cross. John watched him being placed in that tomb. John came to an empty tomb. John walked with him on the shore, saw the hands, the holes in his hands. This is John who's looking at him and seeing him as the son of man. It's John that saw him ascend into the heavens and hear the commands that as I go to the Father, I will send the Holy Spirit. So in the midst of this scene of the church, this beautiful scene, there's this voice that's booming out forth from that. And there's this one who is the light. It's The amazing thing is, is you have this picture of these seven lampstands, which what is happening now is the Spirit, as Jesus Christ is the head, the Spirit pushes forth that light because Jesus said, you are to be light. You are to be like a light, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So these lampstands are not lit with a light that's our own. These lampstands are lit with the light of Jesus Christ. It's the light of Jesus Christ. And so as I'm in this moment worshiping and reminiscing over God what church do you see what church what church are we to be like how does your church look in this day that we live in and I I as I was in that and I'm in all of it and I hear God say my voice has been silenced there's one who stands in the midst of the church desiring voice desiring light to be shown to be those that would go to a hurt and dying world and be a place of refuge to be a hand to help up a brother as we've been helped, as we've been edified and lifted up, that we would go and in that same likeness do the same, where we've had somebody shine light into our lives and say, hey, here's the way, go in it, the same that we should do for somebody else. And I remember God saying, my voice has been silenced. And I don't remember if it was in the context of globally, but especially I felt it in the area that we live in. Are we living live? Are we living loud lives for God? What I want you to think about today is, as you have this picture of the church resonating in your heart, I want you to think of the position that Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, he's invited us to. This picture of being those hands and feet of Jesus Christ, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can sense what God is wanting to do in the day that we live in today. Because he said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, upon all flesh. It's not a limited flesh. It's not just the old people. It's not just the young people. It's not just the females. It's not just the males. It's not just, it's all flesh to anybody who would say, yes, God. Yes, God, because the price that you've paid, I don't know what it means. I don't know what all it's going to entail, but I, I want to be close to you. I would tell you at that place, God is going to use you mightily. God is going to use his church mightily as we stay in that place. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a humble heart. Who may ascend? So, Today, I want you to think of this. One of the first, uh, as I was pouring over this, um, I couldn't help but think in Luke chapter 10, one of the first scenes that you see Jesus uh, breathing into a group of people, the disciples, and actually they're gathered, 70 of them. And he's starting, you know, his earthly ministry has already been inaugurated. And he's, you know, of course, we know the testimonies of the blind eyes opening and all of these prophecies coming to fruition. And he gathers these 70 and he sends them out. And they come back, and they're joyous, and they're saying, at your name, Jesus, these evil forces, these demonic spirits would be cast out. And they were excited, and Jesus almost catches them in it, and he's like, you know what? 
As you were doing that, I saw Satan, like lightning, fall from the heavens. See, as Jesus Christ humbled himself unto his own creation, he set the principalities and the powers in the rightful place. See, before that, there wasn't, there wasn't this alignment, but Jesus Christ came to align everything, and he said, I saw Satan fall as if it was lightning to the ground. And he even went on to say this, because I want you to know something. In all the myths, the trials, the tribulations, the thing that try to distract us, those things that try to pull us out of the presence of God, we've got, we've got, we've got to stay in his presence. We've got to stay in his power. Because he said this, don't rejoice that the spirits are subjected unto you. Don't rejoice that, and he uses these two terms, the serpent, which is one type of venom, and the scorpion, which is a more deadly type of venom, are subjected unto you. Right? So he's teaching these disciples the lessons. He's like, don't rejoice in this, but what I do want you to rejoice in, now catch this, is that your name is written where? In heaven. Say it. In heaven. He said, don't rejoice in this. Like, this is, my, this is, what, this is what I want for you. Like, this is, gonna, this is your place. Like, these things are going to move out of your way if you remember your place, that your name is written in heaven, that I've purposed you for greater things. David said in Psalm 91 that I will dwell in the secret place of the Most High, and I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Who do you think is our Heavenly Father? Amen? He wants to love you. He wants to protect you. What kind of earthly father wouldn't desire those things for their own kids? And we think that it's our idea, right? How much more our Heavenly Father would want to love and care and nurture and protect us as we stay in that place. Correct us when we're wrong. Fix us when we're broken. This is our Heavenly Father. What's the heart of our Father? He wants us close to Him. And He goes on in, in Luke chapter 4, and you can read it on your own time, but He goes on because there's a man that approaches Him, and he's a Jewish lawyer. And, um, you know, I remember there's a lawyer that goes to our church, and he's a beautiful, he's a beautiful man. Uh, when I say that, he's just, he's amazing. And um, he helped me with some things that I, I needed to get kind of fixed up on my taxes and everything. And I remember reading one of the letters that he wrote, and it scared me. And this was to help me, right? So lawyers know what to say. They know how to say it. They know how to even catch you in your own words and make you, I mean, it was like, wow, do I need to sign on this line? And what's it going to do? No, but he's, he's amazing help, and he helped me tremendously. But um, he knew what needed to be said so that it would get the ear to who needed to hear it. So this Jewish lawyer comes up to Jesus and he says of position, what must I do to, in to inherit eternal life? He asked the question, what must I do? Get it. He's grown up as a young boy in the Torah and all of these things. And so he's almost, he's, he's, and because he says, good teacher, good, you know, good. So he's, he's just like, let me test him and see what this guy really knows. Is really his, kind of his attitude behind what he's asking. And Jesus says, well, what's the law say? And how do you understand it? So as we get into this, I want you to think of three things. Sorry, I wanted to tell you this before. Three things. There's three things that, will, that the enemy will try to use to pull us from our position that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. It's your past, it's your memories, and it's your past. That's the first one. The second thing is your understanding of the present. And the third thing is your will for the future. Those three things, okay? So we're going to see those kind of play out in the next few minutes. So this, this man asked Jesus, what must I do? And Jesus says, well, what does the law say and how do you interpret it? He gives the correct answer and he says, well, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus simply says, go and do so, right? 
How many of you know discovery? Revelation comes with discovery, right? And whenever you see Jesus interacting with people, he does it in a way because he wants them to discover something. He wants them to receive a revelation. He wants them to have that, aha, I get it moment. And so he says to, the, he says to this man, he says, go and do that. End of the question, end of the conversation. You know, life could be great for this Jewish lawyer, but he wanting to justify himself. Maybe there was something that kind of, you know, ooh, man, that hurt. Like, I don't know about my neighbor. So he asked the question, well, then who is my neighbor? Now, I want you to see what's going on here. This is a, this is a Jewish person who understands the, the law and understands cleanness and uncleanness. And people are kind of cultures and, and people are categorized in that way. And he asked, who's my neighbor? Almost like saying, well, as my neighbor loves, I'll love them, right? But Jesus goes into it in depth and he actually puts this young man's life on display. And he says, there was a certain man who went down from, went from Jerusalem unto Jericho, and he fell among thieves. You know, that word fell means to be ensnared, to be trapped. How many of you have ever been trapped? How many of you have ever just, it's like, man, how did I fall into this? We've all been there. This man fell, this, this man fell among thieves, and they stripped him of everything that he had, everything that he was, took all of that he had. And the Bible says that they left him for half dead. They left him exhausted of everything is what that means. I've always, when I read that, I'm like, half dead. I'm like, how's half dead and what's full dead? Like, where do you draw the line of the two? But it means to be exhausted of everything. And he's half dead. And Jesus goes on to say, now it just happened to be that there was a man coming down, a, a priest, and he was coming on this journey. And he came and he saw the gentleman laying on the side of the road. He saw this, this Jewish man laying on the side of the road. And for some reason, I don't know what it, the Bible doesn't give us, under, you know, maybe it was a coffee appointment, maybe it was, you know, time was running short, and he continued on his way. A next man comes by, the Bible says he was a Levite, and he was on the same journey, and he sees this man, whoa, man, that guy's pretty bad, he's half dead, looks like he's had a pretty bad day, oh, it's going to be okay, maybe somebody else will come by and help you out. But there was one who came and Jesus called him the Samaritan. And the Samaritans to the Jewish individuals were repulsive. They were unclean. They were unfit. They were defiled. And so the Samaritan comes and he sees the same thing. Sees the man. But the Bible says there's something different that happened with this Samaritan. That he had compassion. This word compassion is greater than just coming over and being like, hey, let me help you out, buddy. Let me, come on. You know, let's get over here and get you something to... This word compassion means to actually take something that is, that is from the innermost part of your being and give it unto this other person. That kind, of, that kind of response was what the Samaritan had. He said he came over and he started to pour oil and he started to pour wine and he actually took and he cleaned the man up and he put the man, actually, he stepped from his own horse, he stepped from his own position, picked up this man, lifted him up, edified him, and put him on his own beast, the Bible says, his own horse, and he brought him, walking beside, continuing to care and nurture, to the inn. And when he gets to the inn, he says, here is two days worth of wage. Take care of him. And when I come back, if there's a remaining balance, I will take care of it all. How many of you know? It's a picture of Jesus Christ. It's a picture of Jesus Christ that found us along the side of the road of this world, left half dead. And he didn't leave us. He didn't have too busy of a schedule. 
But he, with compassion, with everything that was inside of him, he helped us, lifted us up, edified us, cleaned us up, put us in his position, put us in his position and took us to a place where we could be completely taken care of and nurtured. And he said, and if there's a remaining balance, put it on my account. Put it on my account. And he looks at the Jewish lawyer and he says, now, which one of them was a neighbor? You can almost see the turmoil inside between the lines of the scriptures as this man is like, I should say Samaritan, but I can't. I can't. I know what these people have done. I know my past. I know all of these things. You know, if you put it in today's context, this could have been somebody that was uh, like an aunt, uh, somebody who's uh, an atheist or an agnostic or somebody who's not. And you know, we do that as the church, but we've got to do our part to tear down these walls. We've got to do our part to make sure that there's not these divisions, right? Because for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. We build up walls. But if we allow him, he'll keep them, he'll keep them torn down. So this, this Jewish lawyer is wrestling with himself, and he says, the one who helped him. The one who helped him. Now here is a young, or here's a man who's standing in the presence of Jesus Christ who just has had his, basically his life story put in a picture, a word picture in front of him. And he, he resists the change. He resists the opportunity. How many times has our past affected our current situation? How many times have we given ground to the enemy and all we can do is think back on our past? Maybe it's things that we've grown up in. Maybe it's things that happened to us as a child and we come into God's presence and we resist the change because all we can think about was what happened back there. I heard a story. Somebody texted me just the other week and he said to me, he said, he said I, need to, I need to tell you a story about my nephew. And so I called him and he said, my nephew texted me the other week and he said, Unc, I'm going to do it. And he's like, going to do what? He's like, Unc, I'm going to do it. He's like, okay, like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to ask the question. He's like, oh, whew. all right, cool. He's like, you are? So he said, yeah, I'm going to ask my girlfriend to marry me. He said, Nate, he's like, they've dated for, I think it was like five or six years. He said, and my nephew is telling me on the phone. He said, I've come to Influence Church, and I've, I've felt God's presence, and I've, I've come to realize that what I was afraid of, what I was afraid of, why I was afraid to ask this person who is special to me and dear to me is because I couldn't imagine that she would want to deal with a broken, messed up person like me. All he could do was forfeit. What he was doing was forfeiting his now, his present day, because he couldn't get over the past. Because all he could think about was his failures, his inadequacies, all of those things. But he said, when I came in, he told his uncle, he's like, uncle, it's as if God took a chisel and he put it to my hard heart and he has softened it. These things, this is influence, church. This is you. This is what God is doing in our midst. Can we give him glory for that? This is an individual who is, he is four times the size I am. His arms are the size of my legs. He is a tough guy. And he's telling me on the phone, he's like, you don't understand, this isn't my nephew. He doesn't talk like this. Because God has, he's had a revelation of who he is. He's had a revelation of the position because he, he's looking back over his past and now he doesn't see the valleys of mistakes and the high points of what has tried to be good in his life, but he sees a level ground of the righteousness of Christ. I almost see it as a sea of water. You know, when you pour water in, it always levels out, right? You look back, all you see is the righteousness of Christ and what he's done. It's been at a cross. It's his past. He paid it forward so that you could look back and see the cross, and it's a level. 
and your mistakes, your failures, and all of those things. But what we have a tendency to do is we forfeit what the God, what our loving, loving Heavenly Father wants to do today because our past haunts us. Because the man was looking back and all he could utter was what he knew from his past experiences. I don't talk with Samaritans. They're not my neighbor. Jesus was in an attempt to tear down walls. But I want you to know, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the rest to the weary. Jesus Christ is the healer to the broken. Jesus Christ is the sight to the blind eyes. Jesus Christ is the Samaritan that's commended for his good deeds. Jesus Christ was also the one that they cursed at because they said he was a demoniac. Jesus Christ loves you today, and he's paid a price so that you can have a position in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Amen? So we hear the commends of the Samaritan for his actions, but I don't want you to forget that we need to establish an understanding for today because the enemy would want to rob that too. And so the next thing that happens as you look at Luke chapter 10 is he instantly, almost instantly flips it right in to Mary and Martha had invited Jesus to come over to his house or to their house. And so here you've got this scene where Jesus is coming into this house and, and you've got one sister who is sitting at the feet of Jesus and the Bible says that she is listening. She's almost catching every word that he's speaking as if it was like precious precious items and he, she's just hanging on every word. She's sitting there and she's worshiping him in, in the midst of this and all of a sudden you see the, older, the other sister is busy with serving, right? And she's almost getting flustered because she's in this room just hanging on every word of Jesus, just worshiping Jesus, right? And she's over here serving and wasn't the good Samaritan just commended for his serving and I'm doing that, I'm doing that, I'm doing that, right? And she finally comes over and says, Jesus, are you going to tolerate this? That I'm over here busy with all of this, and my sister, she's just sitting here, right? I mean, does anybody have, anybody have siblings? You know that feeling, right? Why do they always get to do the good job, and i got to clean up all the dog dirt? I have siblings. That was me. <laughs> and Jesus said, this one thing she has chosen, and it won't be missed. The better thing, the better thing she's picked. Here's what I want you to know today. We've got to have the balance in our lives. We've got to have the balance of, of worship, of the, of the hearing, and of the doing, right? Because you had this, the good Samaritan being commended for, his, for what, he had, what he had did in compassion. But then you see the next scene is Mary being, being commended for her worship and just sitting and listening at the Savior's feet. So I want you to know today to be as aware as possible in the present day that you live in, being used by the Spirit of God, you've got to have the balance of the worship and the, the doing, of the hearing, the listening, and the speaking, of all of those things. It's got to be this marriage of the two because if we don't do that, we find ourselves looking in the past and we find ourselves also worried about the future. So this morning, that brings us to our last point of our future. So many times, you know, I remember as individuals would give me advice for parenting our kids, they would say to me, don't overlook today. Cherish these moments. Cherish these minutes. Cherish these things that you get to do with your kids because before you know it, it will be gone. And if there's anything that I've learned in my life through just a short season of parenting that I've had, and I can use much more counsel for those of you that have kids older than me, please stay in my life. I need you. But it's to seize the moments that you have. Because I can worry about tomorrow and I can miss today. He who holds the future in his hands wants it there. 
And he said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in what he's doing today. And don't put it off for tomorrow because I have tomorrow in my hand. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, God is the one who creates in us both the will and the desire to work for his good pleasure. He creates in us the will to continue on, you know, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling is really what that's talking about. And so many times you look at the clock and you think, how, God, you mean to tell me you've called me to this position and I'm supposed to do this the rest of my life? Like, how is that even possible? Like, how is that possible? See, you're trying to, you're worried about tomorrow and God wants you to stay fixed on today. Because if you can live close to him for this second, guess what? You can do it next second. And if you can do that for 60 seconds, you've mastered a minute. And if you can take those 60 minutes, then you've done an hour. But see, if you worry about the whole calendar in front of you, you'll miss all the minutes and seconds of today. Jesus said in John 17, to bring us back to this picture that, that John saw in heaven in Revelation chapter 1. I'll read it for you. 17 verse 24. It says this, Father, I will. Okay? It's that future speaking of. I will that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Do you see that? He's in the Garden of Gethsemane at, a, at the most pivotal time in all of our, in all of humanity. And he's saying, Father, I will that they would be with me where I am. Do you, see the, do you see the church? Do you see a picture of the church this morning, church? Do you see a picture of the voice that booms forth from the Son of Man, the Son of God, of love and of hope and of peace and of balance and of self-control and of correction and of discipleship? And listen, the church isn't a place where we should come and have strict regulations and rules, but what it is is it's a place for those who hunger and thirst could pull up to a table and they could be made aware of what they're really hungering and thirsting for because I get in trouble when I don't know what I'm craving, right? I get in trouble when I try to fill that craving that's on the deepest side of me with friends or relationships or with substance or with whatever it is. I get in trouble when I'm in that place, but when I bring my cravings to the house of God, to his church, it's in that place. It's in that place God says, hey, I got a position. I've got, I've got something for you. You're my son, you're my daughter, and I love you. Come close, come close. Because he said if we would draw near to him, he would do what? Draw near to us. He would draw near to us. I want you to know today, are we living loud? Are we living loud lives? Are we living loud lives for the advancement of the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God suffers violence. The enemy wants to come in and he wants to, he wants to seize our past and have us focused on that. The enemy comes in violently and he wants to seize our present that we can't even understand what God's trying to do. And he comes in and he seizes our future and he gets us to worry and be afraid of it. But the kingdom of God suffers violent. And those are violent to press in and say, God, you know what? I want you. I want to be close to you. That's me. There was a story of after World War I, to bring it to the father's heart, there was a man who in World War I, spent most of his life in prisoner of war camps. And after most of Europe was ravished and left for nothing, he desperately looked for a job and to be able to support his only daughter. Finally, 
to the end of himself, he reluctantly steps into an orphanage and he looks across the desk to the administrator and he says, I'm here to bring my daughter to your orphanage. I'm a man who spent most of my life in a prisoner of war camp. I can't provide for her needs. And the man looks across the table as the father holds his daughter's hand and he says, this place is a place for orphans that don't have moms or dads. And he says, you mean to tell me the situation that I'm in, you can do nothing about it. And the only way that I can bring my daughter here so that she can have food and clothing and proper nourishment, that she can't have a father and she can't have a mother. And the administrator looked across the desk and said, sir, I'm unfortunate to tell you that's what I have to, that's what it is. And he reluctantly takes the hand of his daughter and he puts it into the administrator's hand. He says, I'll make that happen. You know how hard that, that hurts as a father, that hurts as a parent to be able to even think of the decision that had to be made. But I want you to see the heart of our heavenly father because as he stood in a conversation with Jesus and Jesus looked and he said, you mean to tell me the only way that your sons and daughters can have proper nourishment, can have what they need, is if I pay this price. And he took our hand and he placed it in the hand of the Father and he said, I'll do it. That's the heart of the Father. What a beautiful day we've had in his presence that we would be able to even sense how much he loves us. That he would show a man on the Isle of Patmos a vision of his church moving forward, his church Having a voice, that's us. It's a heavenly father that loves us. So if you could take one thing from our message today, let's live loud lives from the position that through Jesus Christ we have, that by the Holy Spirit, through our actions and through our words when needed, we would live loud for God. We would live loud for a father who loves us. Amen? Can we stand to our feet? I think there's a verse in that song Cornerstone that that third verse and I love how we changed it up this morning but that picture of standing faultless before his throne that really where the enemy would come in and he would try to seize what he can in our past in our present and in our future that we continue to see ourselves as God sees us amen so can we sing this can we sing part of Cornerstone. He shall come with trumpet sound. Let's worship him. Oh, may I then in him be found. Dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless I shall come with trumpet sound, oh may, oh may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness. 
Jesus. What would church be if we wouldn't extend the invitation to know the one who stands in the midst of us, amen? So with every head bowed, maybe this morning you came into this place. Maybe you didn't know how you got into this place. Maybe you were invited and you reluctantly came. I'm not sure of the situation or circumstance, but you have found yourself in the midst of his church. And there's one who stands in the center who beams forth with love to you today. And maybe you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Today, I want it to be that day where the enemy has violently tried to seize my past and remove me from the position that God would have me in, or he's, the enemy has violently tried to seize my present, or whatever it is, you know the situation and circumstance, but if today, if you would say, God, I want to give my life to you, I want to make a commitment to live for you and to serve you because you've so loved me, that I would come and park my cravings at the table I would be able to eat from the things that you would supply. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up between you and God. This is a commitment between you and God. The posture of your heart, just say, God, that's me. God, that's me. Heavenly Father, you've seen those that have raised their hands in this room this morning. God, you've seen the commitment that they've made between you and between them. Lord, and that you would say of them that your name is written in heaven. Now, by the blood of Jesus Christ, their name has been written in heaven, and all of heaven rejoices right now over the simple decision that they've made to come to know you, Jesus Christ, because the price that you paid, they wouldn't let that blood drop to the ground for nothing, but they'd say, Lord, I received the price that you paid for my life. God, I thank you for saving individuals today. But God, for those that stand, knowing that we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, knowing that you're pouring out your spirit, Lord God, we would just say, we desire to be that church. We desire to be your bride who is being made ready to stand before you on that day, faultless, Lord God, faultless, Lord God, being the righteousness of Christ. God, that be us, your church. Thank you for the opportunity. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. Jesus Christ, it's in your name. Church, can you glorify him this morning? Thank you, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for loving us. We love you. We love you. Amen. Amen. We'll influence, church. Thank you so much for being with us. I invite you to come back next week. Pastor Phil and Pastor Tammy are going to be back. I know he's got a great word that he's bringing. So be here with us. It's going to be amazing. Bring a friend. Tell somebody what God's doing. Go out and live a loud life for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Love you all. God bless you. See you next week.